Hey there, and welcome to the daily podcast where wisdom smacks us with kisses or love taps. I'm Michelle Spiva, a wisdom strengthening coach, your host, and practical priestess of wisdom. Join us daily to gain wisdom and mental strength as we tackle innovative thinking, address emotional and behavioral life traps, and yes, provide you with some practical how-tos to wrap it all up. So settle in or crank up the speed 2x, whatever gets your mental processes firing as we dive in. Stay tuned. Hi there, and welcome to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with me, your host, and Practical Priestess of Wisdom, Michelle Spiva. Um, Let me just go on and say it, as you can probably tell by my tone and mood today is uh, not our normal Wisdom Smack. Fair warning, if you get prickly about talking about injustice, especially racial injustice, if you get upset about uh, being called on the carpet for anything that usually makes you upset if you find that you only want love and light and you only want uh the the feel goods skip today's podcast and i'm not going to be fussing i'm not going to be pointing any kind of fingers i'm really just going to be showing why we are where we are and so today at the time of this recording this is blackout tuesday and i will tentatively invite you to join me as we talk about why we must embrace the garden weed killers. It'll make sense if you follow me on the flip. Hope to see you. Thanks. Okay, as I said in the intro, I don't really expect to have many listens for today, but uh, I am still going forward. Oh, yes, I am. And so as today is blackout Tuesday at the time of this recording, I do want to say that uh, I thank you for your support around the world. And thank you. So my gosh. And I'm not going to tear up because this is not my first time trying to record today's podcast by any stretch of the imagination. Okay, let me get this together. Okay. Thank you for every person who has contacted me and asked, how are you? Uh, For those people who have said, what can I do to help? I appreciate you so much. And words cannot express the gratitude I feel for that. And those who must have been listening to some of my previous podcasts who took the initiative to do something, to send something, and to say, here, I don't want to put you in the position of having to ask, so here you go. Thank you. And if you're confused about what I'm talking about, I am talking about at this current time across our the nation of the United States, and especially in the southern areas where I live, I live in the Atlanta area, uh, we are uh, a week into uh, protest and uh, rioting, looting, looting, whatever you want to call it, uh, for the injustices of what have, have been ongoing for hundreds of years. And so... In my tribute to Blackout Tuesday, 
I want to talk about why we must embrace the garden weed killers. And I had to put in the word garden so that people wouldn't get it confused with, with weed. Okay. And yes, I got a little pepper in my voice today because this is my first day of uh, live since I had a lot of uh, podcasts banked. And this is my first time to walk through what I am experiencing and what I'm dealing with and what I am feeling. And so I want you to know that there is a very clear explanation for the unrest. And as usual, I'm not going in the direction that you think I am. There are many people out there that are going to talk to you about racial injustice and inequality and how there is no equity when it comes to looking at people of my particular part of the tribe. And when I say my particular part of the tribe, because I don't have a lot of time, but I need to get a lot out, I'm going to say this, that when you are looking at us, the the ones who have, you know, a reason to be protesting, a reason to, to say something, a reason for us to say, stop killing us, a reason for us to say, we deserve to be able to breathe as well. We deserve to be able to live and to go about our business as well. Instead of just maybe calling us black, how about you do this? How about for just, even if you just can manage it today, think about it as this way, the American descendants of slaves. And that will help you. Even with that title of understanding where a lot of the angst, a lot of the horrors of of what we're experiencing and how it's being expressed can be shown. Okay. So let me get off of that because this is about me continuing to hopefully give you wisdom smacks. And I, you know, I don't, I, if you stop listening now, that's fine, because I, I, I got to say what I got to say, okay? I try to keep this really PC, really light, and all of that. But there there comes a time when hard truths have to be spoken, and sometimes they, they come out in a forceful way. So let me get to it. All right. So you can listen to everybody else as to why this is happening from that social standpoint. But what I am going to do is I'm going to give a little homage real quickly to sociology, especially the fact that my mother was a sociologist. Now, I'm a psychology kind of girl, but today we're going to be going down psychology, I mean, sociology. And it all starts with one of the world's first sociologists from the 1300s an Arabian scholar by the name of Ibn Khaldun. Ibn Khaldun, and I'll spell that for you. I-B-N for Ibn Khaldun, K-H-A-L-D-U-N. And I know I'm not pronouncing that hard K like Khaldun, but you you get the gist if you want to look him up, okay? And uh, he is touted as one of the first people to give us terms like generation and tribalism and even group dynamics. And he has a famous framework. Now, you guys know I've talked about and taught about frameworks on this podcast. Go back and check out some of them uh, if you need a refresher, because I don't have time to go through that. But he had a very simplistic uh, framework for describing generations and the movements within those generations to make sense of changing times. And the thing that he said about this framework, he said that this this framework repeats over and over. And even if you don't realize it, well-trained, wise 
governments are very familiar with this framework. Uh, Well-oiled economies, organizations, and even corporations are very well-versed with this framework. So pay heed, listen up, because this is some wisdom for you, okay? Because this is going to help you to understand why the unrest, the civil unrest is, is uh, not being, not being uh, extinguished, uh, why things are happening the way they're happening now. Uh, it'll give you a little more insight. So there's truly nothing un, uh, new under the sun and things are truly cyclical. And uh, Ibn Khaldun uh, gave us a framework to help us navigate and figure out what's going on. So here we go. Now, I'm going to talk about what he did, and then I'm going to talk about how he inspired a contemporary take on this by one of my favorite authors, Mr. Robert Greene, in a minute. But just let me set this up. Okay, so in Khaldun's uh, framework, he had four different types of generations. And he said these generations uh, repeated themselves over and over again. And so the first generation is the revolutionary. And he said these were the the people who upended an established system causing great change. The next generation would be the orderlies or their children, if you will. And those would be the ones who would bring organization and structure to this new system their parents had created. And then he talked about the next generation of the pragmatist. These are the grandkids of the revolutionaries who would then be able to enjoy the comforts of this new order. And then... It may be their kids or it may be their grandkids because the pragmatists tended to have they they tended to have a longer generation because <laughs> they fought for that. Uh, the, the skeptics, their children or grandchildren, if you would, would be that generation who would then question their parents or grandparents lives of leisure. OK, and I'm going to be uh, superimposing our discussion of chaos on top of this. And so as I've talked about the pendulum swinging from left to right between order and disorder, and back in December when I first started talking about Mother Chaos and how she was coming and uh, what she did and how she would bring destruction, but then there was a process that she embodies and that for her destruction, there that's where we get the ashes, the fire. Remember I talked about the fire and the burning. Then we spent time talking about how to embrace the chaos and how to find the phoenix in that chaos that will lift you out of those ashes because there is a rebirth, a renewal, and how chaos also is judgment. So judgment for a rebirth uh, to, to birth something new. Uh, to do away with, destroy that which was before. I'm superimposing that so that you can see how even back in the 1300s, when this Arabian scholar was observing the times up until then, and he started to see the pattern and develop the framework, he understood inherently, based on how this framework is set up, he understood the process of destruction, creation into order, into destruction. So looking at how he set this up, the revolutionaries would be the destruction. And then at the tail end, they would have the start of creation. 
And then the orderlies would come in and they would start, as you can tell by the, the name he gave them, they would start the process of order. And then after them, the pragmatists would come in and they would enjoy the fruits of order to the point of stagnation. And then their children, the skeptics, would come in to a world of uncomfortable, stifling stagnation into death. So again, the revolutionaries tow up the established system to cause a great change. The orderlies would then come in to bring organization and structure to this new system that their parents, the revolutionaries, had made. Then the pragmatists, oh my goodness, those pragmatists, they would enjoy the comforts of this new order for as long as possible. (laughs) But then the skeptics, their children or grandchildren, would come in and question their parents' lives of leisure. So that's what what Ibeen Caldine uh, instituted as a framework for understanding in a soci- sociological way of making means of what we do as an organization, a culture, a society, a structure. So that was way back 700 years, 700 plus years ago. So now in contemporary times, uh, one of my favorite authors, Mr. Robert Greene, and let me tell you, if you want to learn Crash Course, on the dark shadow sides of humanity, on uh, manipulation, dark psychology. Um, If you want to learn even NLP, uh, a a lot of the things that con artists use, you will study Mr. Robert Greene. And I say you will study him not because Mr. Robert Greene is bad. No, instead you will study him because Mr. Robert Greene takes a history a histological approach to understanding this side of human nature in uh, works that help us to get a feel for uh, what's happening, whether you are naturally uh, drawn to that or whether you've been curious to understand why does this happen? And so I want to shout out Mr. Robert Greene because today we're going to be dealing with um, a book of his called The Laws of Human Nature. Now, he has many different books out there. You may be familiar with some of his uh, earlier works like The Art of Seduction or even The 48 Laws of Power. But then he goes on to have uh, works like Mastery, uh, The Laws of Human Nature, and The 33 Strategies of War. Um, And so just (laughs) get the books and study them if you want to know more. But today I'm pulling out uh, a section that he talked about in The Laws of Human Nature. And there was a little bit about it that you can find in in the book Mastery as well. So. Inspired by Ebeen Calden, Robert Greene now takes this understanding of generations and he gives it a wee bit of an update so that it's more palatable to our understanding and not so sanitized and washed down because of its classical uh, bent from those times. And so he uses the same four frameworks and you can tell that they are greatly inspired, if not personally, I think, directed by the spirit of Ebeen Caldine. And what he says is, is he says that we can usually look at the bottom two generations 
by age, if you will, as the generations who are always fighting for change. And he said, whereas the top two generations, the oldest generations by age, are always fighting for stability to stay the same. Okay. Now, I know that's a blanket statement and you might be saying, no, that's not me. And you're right. You're right. There are outliers and this is not uh, a, a categorical statement. It's a generalization. Okay. So the book where I'm, I'm going to make sure I put that in the show notes, the book where you can find this is Laws of Human Nature by Robert Greene and Green has an E on the end. So whereas Iben talks about the revolutionaries, the orderlies, the pragmatists, and the skeptics, Robert Greene uses the same monikers with a little bit of a twist and gives them a few different names. So he still keeps the revolutionaries. But instead of just upending an established system causing great change, Mr. Greene says that the revolutionaries overturn all previous generational ideals, values, beliefs, uh, let's see here, I'm sorry, values, <laughs> beliefs to create true revolution. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at that, you don't have revolutionaries just upending an established system. Now what you have is you have revolutionaries who not only upturn the established system, but they go for the previous generation's ideals, their beliefs, and their values to get those changed so that they can truly create a clean slate of true revolution. What they say is your thinking, your beliefs, and your ideals no longer apply to the times that we're in. And that's really powerful to understand. Now, let me backtrack a little bit and just say that uh, as of now, a generation is considered to be between 22 and 24 years. And that's because we're waiting to have uh, children longer in these days than we did before. So a generation being every 22 to 24 years, uh, whenever you look at that, that's uh, of when you were born, that's usually going to be the generation that you get shoved into. And <laughs> Green with his dark shady self, I love that man. He says that you're going to belong to your generation's narcissism. So not only does he call it uh, what you tend to gravitate towards, he calls it a narcissism. I was like, okay, we're a choice here. All righty. So then what we also have is we also have the fact that the two top and two bottom generations are always fighting, but they're fighting for different things. The two top ones are fighting to remain the same and for what they would call stability. And the two bottom are always fighting for change. Now, remember when we talked about chaos and chaos and order and how chaos flows into order and order flows into chaos and it is a continual thing. So now you can see how even Calden was able to give us a framework of how we live in society that has sustained itself and proven itself to be true for many millennia. And it's because it is predicated on the path of uh, chaos, you know, destruction, a new birth into order, into stagnation, into death, into destruction, chaos, new birth, and, and on and on. It keeps going. So the next way, so we've got revolutionaries by Calden's terms, and we've got revolutionary generation by Green's terms. So the next one, when Calden talks about orderlies, 
Green uses the same thing, but instead of calling them orderly, he calls <laughs> he calls them the preservation generation. So whereas orderlies are those who bring about the organization and structure of this new system that their parents built or that they inherited, the preservation generation in Green's eyes, he says that they try to make the revolutionary revolution sane and rational, and they even try to preserve it. Okay, so that's going to be that next generation. But where the rubber meets the road and it becomes hard to take for a lot of different people observing how uh, Green has decided to work with the third generation. Let me just tell you. So whereas uh, Calden called the third generation the pragmatists, and he just simply said, those who enjoy the comforts of this new order that their grandparents fought for. How many times have you heard somebody say, my grandparents fought for this. I deserve this. This is my right. This is my inheritance, my legacy, blah, 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 right? What you will be listening to a lot of times is what Calden called a pragmatist. But this is what Green called it. Green said, this is the conservative generation. I was like, oh, Lord, he just really wants people to fight him on this. But this is what he calls it. So he says the conservative generation, whereas Calden tries to sanitize it says, and by saying that they are those who enjoy the comforts of this new order. Well, uh, Green goes for the butter knife in the wound and starts to twist it when he says that this generation has lost touch with the revolutionary generation's spirit and is now all about safety and keeping what happened in the past. So in his guesstimation of the pragmatists, he's like, they are all about trying to sustain the benefits of order, meaning that they are the beneficiaries of it, that now because their parents made or made, um, made it sane and uh, orderly and structured where, uh, it had become acceptable and, and beneficiary to them. They are here to tell you that this is how life is. This is how it should always be. It should never change. If it ain't fixed, don't break it. But what the problem is with this generation that they tend to forget is that a lot of times this is not the case for everyone. Because remember, at any given time, you can have all four of these generations active at the same time. And what might be good for you in the conservative generation of a life of leisure of what your grandparents or your great grandparents built for you, not everybody is experiencing that. And so the conservative generation tends to want to extend their time. They fight for it. They may even convince a large number of the next generation who would have been in the following generation. They convince them that this is the life you want. And thus they get to extend their generation for a while because they love the order and the benefits that it brings for them. So after the conservative generation, you then get the crisis generation. And these are called the skeptics in Iben's model. So in Iben, the original model, he says the skeptics are those who question their parents' lives of leisure. Now, when you look at that, you say, oh, okay. But when you look at how Green says it, and let me just lay it out for you. He says <laughs> that the skeptics, aka the crisis generation, are sick of the complacency, stagnation of the world, and are unhappy with the situation they've inherited.
So when you look at it in this way, you're like, oh, shucks. So what ends up happening after this crisis generation is grown sick and unhappy with the complacency and the stagnation that they've had to inherit? Does that sound like the ploys and the cries of Generation X of when we were like, oh, my God, Social Security and nothing is changing and what are we working for? And then with our kids, with uh, gener- uh, the millennials coming in and being like, okay, mm-mm, crisis, like w- what's what's going on? It's now giving rise to Generation Zs. You guessed it, revolutionary upbringing where they're like, I am not here for this. Miss me with all this bull. I don't care. This is not for me. I don't care what I got to do. I am not standing for it. And so like even... Uh, Calden says over 700 years ago, he was like, you cannot stop this wheel of life, of chaos into order, into chaos. Whether you like it or not, revolution always comes. But here's the part that I really wanted to get to and thank y'all for allowing me to talk about these is that if you superimpose a metaphor that makes this simple to remember, it will hopefully give you an aha. And that is the metaphor of the garden. Now, for a lot of people who are are, are familiar with um, Christian teachings and practices, when I was a little kid, vacation Bible school and all that kind of stuff and reading the Bible and stuff, and they were talking about Jesus and they were like, he's a great gardener. And they called him the husbandman. And they talked about how he treated the world as his garden. That was where the first seeds of this, if you allow me, (laughs) the first seeds of this started to spread. But as I became older and learned and started to be able to develop my own uh, experiences, thoughts, feelings, and processes about this, I have um, removed a a deity, if you will, and just allowed people to have their own personal sovereignty uh, to come with their own agendas. And so I want to talk about the weed killer the seed sower, the harvester, and the reaper, okay? So with, and I said the reaper, but anyway, you, you, I mean, you'll you get what I'm, I'm talking about here. So when we talk about these different generations, the revolutionary generation, they are the weed killers. And nobody likes the weed killers when you're the garden because there's a whole bunch of pulling and tearing and gnashing and burning and uh, uh, cutting. There's a lot of destruction in what the weed killer's purpose is to do. That is why they embrace the spirit of mother chaos. They embrace fire and burning. And if you are a person who does not understand this, then you are not a weed killer. It will not make sense to you because that is not your job. That is not your contract. That is not what you came here to do. Okay. But The weed killers are just as needful as the seed bringers, as the nurturers, as the harvesters. They're just as important. And it'll make sense, hopefully, in a moment as to why we need to embrace them, because they are part of our process. So these weed killers, these revolutionaries, they come in and they rip up the garden and they are like, "Mm mm-mm. This has been overgrown. This is no longer casting off fruit that's even useful. We need to start over. So they rip out all the weeds. They kill it all. And then the next generation, if you will, 
which are the orderlies or the preservation, uh, they come in with the seeds. Remember, they make order and they give structure and meaning and sanity to all of the destruction that has had. This is the phoenix coming out of the ashes of Mother Chaos. This is the uh, new birth and rebirth of what you had before. This is what everybody likes when the orderlies and aka the preservationists come in, where they make that revolution make sense and make it rational. And what they do is they try to start to preserve it because they've got to get time for those seeds to grow. So then after them, that's where you get the the pragmatists. These are the ones who start to enjoy the comforts of this new order, or as Green so blatantly said it, he says they have lost touch with why the revolutionaries did what they did. And now they're all about just enjoying the safety and the comfort of uh, what they have now while trying to keep what their grandparents did in the past in the past. And so these are going to be the nurturers of this new order. They're going to water it. They're going to uh, maintain it and uh, do all the little things to make sure that it remains true to its order, remains as healthy as possible for as long as possible. These are the people who are all about preserving this life. If you hear people saying status quo, preserve life, keep things as they are. If it ain't fixed, don't broke it. These are terms of that generation. And as I said before, this generation tries to keep their part uh, going for as long as possible, even when the signs of disease and rot have come in. And that's when the crisis generation starts to notice, because even though you might have a beautiful facade, there is rot, there is uh, acid and off balance in the soil and the, the, the cast offs of the fruit have outlived their time. They're, an, an, anem- they're, they're anemic and they're not doing what they were supposed to do because they have outlived themselves. They are hanging on by a thread. And so the crisis generation starts to notice this and they get sick and tired of seeing these propped up corpses of a bygone life that should have been dead. Because remember, the pragmatist, a.k.a. conservative generation, loves to overextend their stay. So the crisis generation starts to recognize this and they're like, OK, it's time for us to start reap, start um reaping, making them reap what they sow. So they start rejecting this, this new, this not new, excuse me. They stop, they start rejecting the status quo. They start turning their backs on the systems. They don't continue to hold the mantle of what their parents, their grandparents and great grandparents want them to do. And there starts to be a a little bit of, um, you know, problems around the edges because they are sick of the and tired of the complacency and the stagnation. They see that there is no growth and that, if anything, there's just a clinging on and they're unhappy with that situation that they've handled because it's not going to benefit them. They are no longer going to benefit from this generation or of the previous generation. So lo and behold, they give forth and burst forth to, you guessed it, they set the scene up for the weed killers to come back in. And that is why we are in the time we're in right now. There is no more what's in it for me because the life of that has gone its course. Now it is all about 
the revolution of wiping the slate clean and starting with new so that new life can take hold. And that is an explanation for this unrest. If it feels hard and and if you're having a problem understanding it, it may be because your generation of the pragmatists and, and conservatives have still been trying to hold on to dead corpses. So I know this was hard, but guess what? My time is up. I thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spivey, your Practical Priestess of Wisdom with another podcast of Wisdom Smack. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, Uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.